You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Welcome to a new episode of Delirious Nomads, brought to you by Blacklight Media Records, a weekly podcast hosted by yours truly, celebrity chef Chris Santos, I hate calling myself that, and underground metal connoisseur Matt Bacon, who loves being called that. This is your new favorite podcast for all things heavy metal, as well as breakdowns of your favorite combat sports and riffing on some food talk every week with very special guests from across the globe. Hey, welcome to Delirious Nomads, brought to you by Blacklight Media Records, hosted by yours truly, Chris Santos, my good friend, Matt Bacon. This is uh, this is a podcast for mostly metal, some fighting, some food. I don't know if we'll talk about fighting. I have a feeling we're going to be talking about food because we are honored to have my good friend, Joey Vera, as a guest who I know loves to eat. I've seen it firsthand. <laughs> <laughs> Glad to be here. I do love food. It's really great to have you. I know that this has been a very busy year for you and, and a year that's been very bizarre um, you've been very busy releasing two records within weeks of each other that are both doing really amazing. And I definitely want to talk to you about that whole process. But yeah, first and foremost, thank you so much for taking your time out of your day for this. Oh, it's my pleasure. Please and, uh, meet my partner in this endeavor, Matt Bacon, who uh, is basically runs the day-to-day operations of Blacklight Media Records for me. Yep. Hi, Matt. Matt, you going? Hey. <laughs> Let's just jump right into it. I'm, I'm very curious to know a couple things. Um, did you guys record those records close together? Or like, how do you do that? Just jump right in and tell us what your year's been like. <laughs> it's purely by kind of coincidence and accident, really. You know, both bands, Fates Warning and Armored Saint, we were working obviously separately and, you know, just individually from each other. They have nothing to do with each other other than I happen to play bass for both of them. But the Armored Saint record was, I started recording that um, with our our drummer Gonzo in December. So we kind of got a little bit of a head start on the, on the process before Fate's Warning, but it was only by like literally like three or four weeks or something like that. So we started our record in December and we were basically all done recording before this COVID thing hit in Los Angeles anyway. Uh, and we closed down in early March. By that time, we were done recording. So people have this misconception that the the record was done during lockdown, but the, it wasn't really true. We were already done recording. But the funny thing is that, you know, I have a different role in both bands. Armored Sane is kind of more, uh, it was my original band. I've been with them for almost 40 years, you know, have a long history with them. And Fates, I'm a little bit newer. I've been with them since 96. And my role there is pretty much just like I'm the bass player in the band. I don't do any writing and I'm not a main member that contributes in that way. So I was kind of just waiting for Fate's Warning to like, you know, let me know like, hey, well, when are we recording? Because I'm busy with Armored Saint and, you know, I don't want it to get in the way. And they said, well, you you, you don't expect anything until, you know, maybe March. And I said, well, that works out good because I should be done with Armored Saint. Well, as it worked out, it, it was true. I literally finished 
tracking and everything. And I handed off all the sessions yep, to yep. Jay Rustin, who mixed the Armored Saint record. And as soon as I got home, like literally two days later, I got an email from Jim Matheos from Fate's Warning. And here's your first batch of songs. And mind you, I haven't even heard these songs yet. Like I haven't learned them or practiced or anything. I just got like an email with like three songs and it's like Fate's Warning songs. It's not like, you know, <laughs> right. straight up 4-4 rock and roll. Pretty crazy stuff. And I so I had to immediately immerse myself into the Fate's Warning record. And so I was like trying to get the Fates done all through March, all the way into the end of April. Meanwhile, going back and forth with Jay Rustin, approving mixes. So yeah, it was, it was pretty crazy during that time. But I got it all done. By May, I was like, oh my God, like I just was totally exasperated. But, you know, <laughs> I'm a sucker for punishment, I think. Uh, I really thrive on being in that place. So for me, it kind of worked out, you know. And then luckily, Metal Blade Records, which we're both on, if people don't know, both Fates and Armored Saint are on uh, Metal Blade Records. And the label kind of came to us and said, well, look, you know, we don't want to put the records out on top of each other. So we're going to space you guys out by three weeks. And even that's kind of close. By that's very close. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's really close. That's so This is the, definitely the first time this has ever happened, but we just kind of felt like it wasn't going to hinder each other uh, in any way. And it, it seems like it hasn't. So, so far everything is going great. The, the label had all their, their act together which they're amazing at, you know, with the, the marketing and the pre-planning and all that. So the releases both went smooth and both are doing very well, like you said, Chris. And um, I'm super stoked. I mean, I'm, I, I'm, I'm honored that I'm in, I'm in two cool bands that have two cool, cool records out at the same time. It's amazing. You know, it's funny. Uh, I'm sitting here in my office and, uh, you know, I moved full-time to L.A. in um, May and I have this very, very metal man TV office with my drum kit and records on the walls, or whatever. But I have this tiny little ledge um, that runs across one, one, like I'm looking at it, it runs across where, where my desk is. And I've got a bunch of just like metal memorabilia. And um, when I moved, I unearthed hundreds, probably closer to a thousand cassettes. And I have six cassettes uh, as part of this collection. That's about 15 feet wide. And I just realized right the second that, um, I know you didn't play on this record, but Fate's Warnings, Awaken the Guardian is cassette is sitting right next to Armored Saint's Delirious Nomad. Those are, those are two of the six cassettes that I have on That's display. hilarious. <laughs> I just realized wow. that as you were talking that the two records coming out at the same time. I'm like, oh my God, they're, they're right there next to each other. But it's funny that you describe yourself as the newer member of Fate's Warning when it's been 24 years. <laughs> I know. I, know. I mean, in, in relations to, you know, I would say, I have been with Fates a long time. And has that ever been, has there ever been like conflict in terms of touring uh, because you're, you have commitments to both bands? We had a couple of times that um, there was a slight crossover, one of which I was, uh, well, the more recently was, a, was about a year ago, actually, a year, a year ago in spring when all seemed normal at the time. I had uh, originally booked a one off show with, with Armored Saint in Greece. It was in Athens, and it was like a small festival that we were asked to headline, and we accepted the offer. This was like two years prior. But in the meantime, since then, a little bit later, Fates got an offer for a U.S. tour, and it was pretty lengthy. It was like a four-week tour or something, and I knew that that one date was like right in the middle. <laughs> and I said, look, guys, I'm going to be straight up. I have a one-off 
that I have to do. I, I can't back out of it, you know. And they they were cool with it. They said, "We'll work it out. We'll figure out a way." And so I accept. I took both both things, and I was lucky that the original bass player from Fates, Joe DiBiase. Um, I called him up and I said, Hey, I'm in a bind. Uh, would you be into coming out and filling in for me while I <laughs> scuttle across the globe? <laughs> and he was totally awesome and gracious. And he came out and we passed each other, like almost at the airport, you know, like, see you later. I'll see you in a couple of days. And it was pretty crazy. So I went to Greece. I flew there. I got there. I did the show. I got there in the morning. I did the show that night. And the next morning I flew back. And so I missed a day and I right, missed right. two days because of the travel time. It was nuts though, man. I was so tired. So I was like, I try to avoid those, those things at all costs because uh, <laughs> it's just bad for your health. <laughs> right. So, you know, you're obviously, you, you're one of the hardest working men in show business and you have been for the better part of the last 40 years. And I know that you've, you know, you filled it in with anthrax and merciful fate. And I, I'm just curious between, you know, just, just, just those I know there's lots of other stuff like Motor Sister, which is completely different. But just choosing like the, those four, like Armored Saint, Fates Warning, Anthrax, Muscle Fate. Like, how do you? I'm not a bass player at all. I'm a I'm a mediocre drummer at best. But does does your approach change to each band? Like, what's the, what are the different challenges? Or I don't know if that's is there a challenge? Like, like yeah, playing playing Anthrax material and playing Fates Warning material, I imagine is completely different, right? So, how do you approach that? Absolutely. Well, you know, I think I just, it's, a lot of it has to do with doing my homework. Um, so learning the sets and learning the songs is is something, you know, like when I filled in for, for Frank on the Anthrax thing, as you mentioned, um, you know, not only did I have to learn all their songs, which was, they gave me this really long list. I'm like, really, guys, we're playing 26 songs? <laughs> But um, they wanted they wanted to have a big pool to pull from, and so I did it, and it was crazy just learning all that material. But so we, that's one side of it, you know, just getting the homework done, learning the material, and then the other side of it too was, you know, I'm also being asked to perform on stage. So Frank Bello is pretty big shoes to fill for a performer on stage. And I'm no, by no means trying to replace him, but I also, right, have to, right, right. I can't just stand at the back, you know, <laughs> and not do anything. So putting those two things together was pretty demanding and pretty, pretty intense. Somebody like Fate's Warning, you know, um, I've been with them for such a long time at this point that a lot of the material comes second nature to me. But when we pull stuff out that we haven't done or we have new records, such as this one, that takes a lot, again, just so much homework. And, you know, it really just comes down to, you know, having a good work ethic about doing my homework, really. I don't know what else to say about that. It's just, you got to put in the hours, you know, so you're ready. I'd, I'd hate to be, you know, the thing I, I hate about being in that position is, is I would hate to let somebody down, you know, I would, that would just be awful for me. That's just, I guess, my personality is like that. So you'd make a great chef. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's a whole other world. I, I don't, and I only know because of peripherally by knowing, knowing you and knowing, reading a few books by other chefs. And I mean, that's a, I mean, talk about a demanding job. It's that's insane. So. We constantly have to have our ego stroke. If, we, if, we, if something leaves the kitchen that's not right, it's like it's complete. It's, it's so emotional. It's not even funny. Yeah. 
just transitioning a little bit to the new let's let's talk, i know the new armored saint record is is doing really really well um congratulations and it's a great record and i know you have a lot to do with the writing process but this is a conversation matt and i had with brian recently like what do you attribute to the longevity of bands like like Armored Saint, like Fate's Warning, but just, you know, all the bands that are at the top of their game, like and even taking it as far as like, you know, bands like Judas Priest, you know, uh, bands where members are in their 70s. Yeah. Like, what, what, what do you make of the longevity of, of these bands and metal? And, you know, there's always new bands cropping up, but it seems like the old guard is definitely still in charge. Um, why do you think? Well, I'm not sure. I mean, it, it's... I get asked that a lot, and actually, and I, I don't really know that there's a silver bullet for that. Um, I think that uh, a lot of it has to do with how the band operates internally and uh, also, you know, the music that you put out. I mean, I, I do think that once you have a, a core fan base, as long as you are able to satisfy them, somehow <laughs> that they'll stick with you forever like that's been my experience anyway with the fans that i've come in contact with the groups that i play with that once someone is a fan of yours they're a fan for life you know even ups and downs like if you make a crappy record they still they they come with you and they take it on the chin with you you know and you know so that's part of it you know having that in the back of your mind that you're not doing this just for yourself you know you're doing this for also your fan base and keeping that in mind and fans like to be involved somehow it's especially especially true now with social media and everything and the connections that we have with our fans now in the last 10 15 years is unlike anything else i mean i mean you know as well as i do like when we were growing up imagine if you were like able to like send steve harris from iron maiden a text you know right, via right. facebook or something i mean we would be like freaking out you know it's funny you say that because i remember i i make the joke sometimes uh, i mean it's a ridiculous joke but i make the joke that i invented twitter because i can remember being uh you know 13 14 years old when shout at the devil came out and i was such a huge motley crew fan as a teen as a young teen and i remember like laying in bed and like thinking to myself like what's motley crew doing right now and now <laughs> like you just have to go on social media and you'll know what they're doing you know what i mean <laughs> exactly the answer is um, at your fingertips now you can even ask them a question and they'll reply to you you're like what the hell yeah that's how, I mean, it's crazy. It's really crazy how that worked. That's kind of how me and Brian Slagle connected was, was through social media. Did Fate's Warning or Armored Saint or, or you know, at any point have a conversation about delaying the release of the records because of the current situation and not being able to tour, A, and B, since you did really go ahead and release the records, like, what are you, what are you doing to connect with fans or, or you know, are, you know, are there... I mean, I don't know exactly what you guys are doing to sort of keep that connection alive. Yeah, good points. Um, to answer the first part, um, I don't know about Fate's Warning, but I could safely say that their answer was the same as ours. We did talk about holding the record back in April when we were just about getting ready to master and put it on the schedule for releases. But we talked about it and it, the conversation literally lasted like five, 10 minutes because we realized like, you know, look, we're into May now, nothing's changed. There's no sight of anything changing. Why are we holding a record for what? You know, like what's the reason? There, there really is no reason to wait for this thing to blow over. Thank goodness we didn't wait because <laughs> this went on much longer than anybody anticipated. And, so 
the thought process was like, what are we waiting for? People are locked up at home right now. So the last thing they want to do is to be told, oh, you're not going to get new music from us until who knows when. For us, it was like, we got to get this out as soon as possible, not later. I truly believe that, that Jim and Fates had the same idea because their record as soon as they were done mastering they were on the schedule right away and you know three weeks behind us (laughs) so i think that that was for sure uh, a good move on both our parts and it seemed to be it seems to be the right move like all of our the reaction has been great people have been really responsive and they are thanking us over and over again thank you for some ray of light in this 2020 nightmare we're in you know and and that's a good feeling to know that people appreciated that you know so we have been at least armored saint we had to kick up our our reach with social media which we were out there, but we weren't as like every day as maybe some of the younger bands are. You know, we're kind of like the old guys <laughs> having trouble texting with our thumbs and all that. But, you know, we had to kick it up and uh, because this is the way that we're connecting. So we've been blessed that uh, Metal Blade has we've made three videos with them, which is the first time in our whole career. We've never had three videos for a single release. Um, so we have three production videos. Um, we did that thing, um, the, the, this isolation at home video we did earlier before that. Um, we got a couple of playthroughs coming up that we're doing. And um, the, metal, the, the record label does this cool thing. Like when we, when we release the record, they do like this premiere at 9 a.m., at least Pacific Standard Time. But at 9 a.m. on YouTube, when they premiere the whole record, they're going to say, they say, we're going to play the whole record, even if you don't have it. You get a chance to hear it. And by the way, a couple of the guys mm-hmm. from the band mm-hmm. are going to be showing up in the chat room on YouTube. So it was the first for us to do that, that kind of a thing. But it was super successful and it was amazing. I mean, there were people from like, there were people like Bulgaria and like Sweden and Finland and Kansas and Canada, LA. I mean, it was like... <laughs> I love, I love that you said you said Bulgaria, Finland, and Kansas. My wife is from Kansas, so that's incredible for me. <laughs> there were so many people, and they were from all over the world, and it was like this is amazing. And you know, you're texting, you're like, "Oh, this song's cool. What's this one called?" And you, you type back, you know, and people asking me questions, you type them back, and so that kind of engagement. Like I said, imagine if we were doing that with Iron Maiden when, you know, Number of the Beast came out, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, it's crazy to think about. For these people, it's a super, it's a great way to, you know, to get in touch with them and to connect with them. So those are the things that we've been doing that we haven't done in the past. And it seems like it's been really, really uh, successful and effective. Very good. And and that's sort of what I, what I wanted to talk to you about was I feel like, Armored Saint in particular have been exceptionally active uh, through all this, like promoting yourselves and adapting to the modern hellscape. That's a good word, by the way, adapting. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, you know, there's no, there's no accepting, just to just adapting. Exactly. We've all seen that a lot of bands, kind of of your generation, don't have that flexibility. What do you think gives you that flexibility that you can love the live stream chat? Or that you can have such an amazing live stream show like you did uh, a couple weeks ago. What gave you that flexibility? What taught you to kind of embrace that? Well, uh, you know, 
I, I almost, I will go back to the word you just used. Um, you know, when you're in a band uh, at our level, you know, we're not like selling out arenas by any means, you know, we're still uh, very much a mid-level band and we have been for a long time. So we know how to adapt. <laughs> you, you have to, you know, if you're doing, and you're in the business this long and you go on tour for as long as we have and deal, dealt with crappy clubs and crappy situations and travel arrangements and so forth. You got to learn how to adapt. That's really just the number one thing. If you're going to survive, that's what you have to do. Um, so this just seemed like another thing you had to do, another thing you had to do, you know, or we had, to, we had to do, it was just like adapt. And I'm not saying it was easy because uh, some of us in the, especially in the beginning of this, when we were getting ready, to, the record was coming out. Let's say, well, when it was being set up, I would say around May or June of this year, we had started to have conversations about this stuff. Like, well, you know, what are we going to do? There's there's no clubs are open yet. And what should we do? The release is coming up. It's getting close. You know, there was talk about doing this live stream show. And initially it was shot down because it was so alien to us. Like, to play in a room with nobody there, you know? And I hadn't, up until that time, I hadn't I hadn't really heard of that yet. I hadn't seen any, although I immediately went out and bought tickets for the Catatonia show they did. They were one of the first ones I saw back in early June. And I was like doing research, you know, like, what is what is this about? What's this going to be like, you know? And, um, and you know, I kind of realized, like, as a fan, it's, it's a cool thing. I mean, like, there's no shows. Nobody can go to shows and bands can't leave town. So this is the next best thing. And so we had to get over that hurdle of like accepting that and also saying, well, now we have to adapt to it. We've got to make the best of it. And that's really the only kind of state of mind that's going to get you through this. And look, we're already in the middle of November and still no sight of things opening up. No. So I'm afraid we still have another six months of this at least if not longer easily yeah so it's like we're trying to we're trying to keep an open mind on new things to do you know i have to admit since the record's already out i i'm starting to get a little antsy like okay now what you know (laughs) but uh it's like you said matt there's there's things there's things we could do and a lot of it has to do with being involved and close to social media because that's the hub that connects you to all of your fans. And it's almost instant, you know, everybody does it in real time for the most part. So you got to be able to keep an eye on that and be stay connected. So we're doing, like I said before, I mentioned before, we're doing a few, um, a few more playthrough videos and just things that are a little bit more for fun and a little less serious, you know, just to kind of, I don't know, just to keep things to have some levity and to and to keep the connection going. So, do you think that there'll be a touring cycle? You know, even if even if there's no live shows for another six months, do you think there's a touring cycle for either record, or do you think that you just go move on and, and record something? You know, go back into the studio, or, or is it just not known at this point? Yeah. Oh, well, the prospect of that is does not sound appealing to me. <laughs> Making records for me, anyway. I, I could probably speak for Jim too from Fates, but it's very emotionally taxing to do this. And uh, the thought of going back right in right now and writing another record is, I I don't have anything else to say at the moment. (laughs) 
I think it speak for a lot of groups that everybody's just waiting right now, waiting in the wings, and they're all chomping at the bit, waiting for stuff to open up. Some bands even have dates booked in the spring just in case. Yeah. And to be honest with you, um, Armored Sane is, is looking at stuff to do here in the U.S. nationally at the same time. In the spring, we're just poking around who's going to, you know, what clubs feel like they're feeling optimistic, you know. <laughs> we're just trying to get leads, you know, to see where we might be able to do some touring because that, that's the next thing. The next cycle has to be a touring cycle, whether it's in spring or if it doesn't happen till fall. It's got to happen, you know. I, I, it just has to start opening up. In I, my opinion, I don't know. I'm not an expert here, but I think that it's going to be a gradual thing. I think that clubs will open, but it's going to be limited capacity. Touring dates probably are going to have a lot of days off because you can't fill every day, you know, that kind of thing. Did you see um, that Ticketmaster is – did you see that news about Ticketmaster in the last couple of days? No. They are going to require uh, fans to verify that they've been COVID vaccinated before they're issued tickets. Vaccinated? Yeah. Wow. Uh, I'll read it to you, actually. While the plan is still in its early phases, Billboard reports the process would involve fans using the Ticketmaster app in partnership with medical information firms and vaccine and testing distributors. Upon buying a ticket, fans would be required to either verify their vaccination or prove they have tested negative for coronavirus within 72 hours prior to the concert. That's crazy. Yeah. Think about what I just read out loud. It's crazy. When you you hear those words, it sounds pretty harsh. It does sound harsh. It's, you know, you know, and, and the whole, you know, we were talking about this with Brian in an earlier conversation, you know, just the more than any other genre of music, I think, maybe I'm biased, but the live performance is such an important part of it, you know? Absolutely. There's just something about metal and, and the energy of a metal show, regardless of what genre you are. It could be any genre of metal um, from, you know, from like the Motley to, to death metal, but there's so much of it that... You, know, you get a lot of it on the record, but but that live experience is really is just really just the the the, the baseline for all of it. Uh, no pun intended. And not having that is and not knowing when we're going to get it back is really really something. But the flip side is that when the concerts open back up and when the festivals become viable again, I think the response is going. You're, you're going to get a response from your fans, regardless of what band you're touring with, because you're so busy. You're going to get a response from fans that's going to be so unbelievably off the chain, like uh, energetic and just appreciative. Oh, I know. Um, it's going to be. I think it's going to be a really special time. Not not worth the pain, but kind of worth the pain, if that makes sense. Oh yeah. I mean, on both sides too. I mean, the group, the bands, and the band members are. You know, everybody's going to be going nuts. Yep. You know, and it's one of those things like those one of those simple things like the many simple things that we took for granted before covid many 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 things we took for granted that's the simplest little things are they mean so much more now you know even your story about going to greece for a day and a half (laughs) you know you tell me that i'm just like oh no (laughs) yeah that ain't gonna happen you know (laughs) yeah exactly so I wouldn't trade that for the world now, you know. You know, it's it's true though, you know, when this all blows over, man, I, at least in the, even when even at, at first, you know, people are going to be scrambling. I mean, I I wonder too if there's going to be any kind of reticence from some people. Some people might be 
afraid to go to shows and be in a room with you know a thousand other people yeah and that's going to affect some things too that's going to affect the promoter what he's willing to what he thinks he's going to sell tickets for and that affects your guarantee as a band and uh, if all the bottom lines start to get affected by that it's going to be difficult at first I, I think it's going to be hard I just hope that it's, um, my hope is that it, the transition, which I think it will be, will be a quick one. Who knows, man? <laughs> let, me, let me ask you this. If, the, if we were not, li- let's pretend for one second that we're not living in a COVID world and that the two, the New Fates record and the New Armored Saint record came out three weeks apart, would there be a world where they where there, there would be a package tour and you'd have to play double duty? Oh, shoot. <laughs> Man, that would be hard for me. I'm sure. We've joked about it um, in the past, because uh, this has come up before, in conversation at least, with Fate's Warning and Armored Saint. I don't know. I'm not really sure. If if it if it completely made sense and it wasn't too long, I would be down for it. Why not? Yeah, right? <laughs> I like a good challenge. <laughs> no, but if, like, uh, you know, if we didn't have this now and both bands were setting up their touring schedules... Um, it will, it's, it will be hard, uh, for me to, to manage both of those schedules, you know, to make sure that I, it's, it's kind of like, um, (laughs) I I, want to make everybody happy, but sometimes you can't always do that. You know, I I mean, we all know that. Um, (laughs) so some choices will be, have to be made somewhere so that, uh, things don't cross over each other and it makes everybody happy in the end somehow. But yeah, people have been asking me about that. Like, what's going to happen when both when both bands go on tour, if, if they go on tour, you know? And I say, well, that's a problem for a future Joey, not right now. Right, right. So, and then the other fun dynamic, and, and Matt had mentioned this to me earlier, but I'm a chef primarily, you know, I'm, I'm about to turn 50 and I see other, I see other things in my future um, that are, you know, different than what I've been doing for the last 35 years of my life. But certainly when I come home, like I don't like I'm on, I've been on a food network show, one of the most popular food network shows for going on 12 years. I don't come home and put the food network on. Like that's the last fucking thing I want to watch. You know what I mean? And so how do you, how do you come home and, and not talk about metal with Tracy who runs metal blade day to day? Like, you know what I mean? mean? Like how do you guys work that dynamic out when she's coming home and complaining about me and my little imprint label? (laughs) Trust me, you're not part of that complaint, <laughs> believe me. You know, again, uh, another kind of a, can be a challenging thing. I mean, the, the part of the thing that, that drew us together in the first place was our love for metal and our love for music in general. Um, and so we have a lot in common there anyway. So, But keeping the business out of it um, is, is, is sometimes tricky, you know. I mean, it's taken us... We've been married almost 30 years now, and we've managed to figure out, you know, when the right time to bring something up is. Right, right. <laughs> you know, because it's it sucks because sometimes you want to, sometimes you have a business thing you you need to discuss, and you'd rather do it in person, you know. And and unfortunately, it's when it's after hours, and it's sometimes after hours you don't want to talk mm-hmm, business. Mm-hmm. You, know? you know, we just try to try to find <laughs> try to find ways to. Uh, to do that sometimes we literally will say okay next wednesday you know we need to set aside an hour or two for 
I have a list of questions and you, or you have a list of questions or we have a list of things that we want to tell each other or whatever. Right. Right. We have to do that. But the other side of it is that sometimes since we are under the same roof, you know, we <laughs> sometimes you can't avoid that. And, uh, you just got to learn how to be a punching bag. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I think it, well, that, now you're describing probably every marriage. <laughs> <laughs> so because, you know, and I totally understand as a chef, I feel like I'm connecting with you in a little bit of a way. Like I, I feel a little bit burnt out in terms of creativity, um, you know, and I'm very, really blessed to have an amazing team. Yeah of young chefs that work underneath yeah. me. But I kind of feel the same way. Like I, I'm, I'm having a, you know, I wrote a bunch of hit record dishes and, and they come less frequently as they used to. So when you said earlier that, you know, the idea of getting back in the studio and writing, it doesn't appeal to you right at this moment. Are you playing at all? Or does that mean like right now you're just, the bass is put away and you're just biding your time until the next move? I'm still finishing up a little bit of press that didn't get done before the release. Uh, I guess this would be considered part of that. <laughs> um, but, you know, uh, so I'm I'm still busy, you know, talking to people and um, doing interviews. And it's still great. You know, I, I don't mind. I don't mind talking about the art, you know. So that's all good. It's definitely going to end very soon. And so I am thinking about what's on next. And I have a few things on the back burners that I that I put away to get the record done, uh, Punching the Sky. Well, I'm the Fates record too. So um, I got to go back to those things that I started working on. We we did a uh, a tour of playing our uh, 1991 record, Symbol of Salvation, in its entirety uh, a couple years ago. And we recorded. Which I fucking missed. You weren't in New York when we played. And those were the shows that we recorded. So we, we taped, we got video of a, of a couple shows and we, we have audio from about like seven or eight shows and so before i started working on punching the sky i was beginning to work on the audio portion of it so it's really just finding the best performances from different nights and that kind of thing and doing some editing and getting it ready to marry it with the video and have a video be edited so that's a project that's hopefully going to be finished and come out on metal blade end of next year probably fall of 21. So that's at least something I got to look forward to, at least in the near future, you know, but mm -hmm. after that, it's like, <laughs> if things don't open up, I mean, I'm like, again, we were talking about touring, you know, and I'm hoping that the touring world opens up again, because that's the next best thing that could happen. If it doesn't, I don't know, I'll be twiddling my thumbs, I think. I try to stay busy, you know, I try to I don't practice all that much, but I do play my bass on, on occasion just for fun. I don't necessarily work on anything. I just, I still enjoy playing it. So I do that and uh, <laughs> try to stay. I feel, like, I, I feel like we got to have you back on at some point because, you know, we're talking about the here and the now, which is great, but I'd love to hear at some point, you know, how it all started, you know, you know, why, why bass and, and, you know, when did you get started? And that, that would be an, another fascinating story to tell, but we don't want to keep you here all night tonight. Sure. I'd, I'd love to come back. Sure. That'd be, that'd be awesome. We'll make it happen. Well, thank you so much for coming on for now, Joey. <laughs> you know, uh, we deeply, deeply appreciate it. It's been very good to hear you kind of open up about a lot of the stuff that I think not a lot of people have necessarily been as transparent on, I guess, my final question would be, when you did that Armored Saint live stream, right, which was really cool. Thank you. What was your big takeaway and what made you go, 
Was there anything that made you go, oh, this is kind of better than doing it on stage or, oh, this is something we should do. We should be bringing to the live show. Well, my immediate takeaway was that we we all and I think I speak for all the guys in the band. We, we kind of said that was kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. You know, because we, we went into it with some trepidation, but. You know, we kind of had fun. It was it was a blast. It really made you appreciate the fans and the crowd. Forget about, you know, wah, my, my monitor doesn't work right, or wah, you know, the sound isn't right, or whatever. Like, there's no one in the room. Like, you should just be happy, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. so it made us appreciate the just the interaction with, with live fans. And, uh, you know, that was the, the takeaway. It was just really, like, really appreciating the live experience more than we always did but that really brought it home you know yeah it Um, clicked yeah it totally clicked and you know honestly when we left we we kind of said to each other too we said you know this wouldn't be too bad to do again you know i I mean especially you know like again we we're all having the same conversations about not knowing when the world's going to open up so um I immediately was started brainstorming like, okay, what could we do next time? That would be even a little different, you know, and cooler. Maybe we do like, you know, March of the Saint, our first album in its entirety. Like fans would freak that would out be insane. That. You know what I mean? So stuff like that. I started thinking about different creative ways to, to use this VR virtual stream thing to have fun with, you know, and then, and that uh, I think a lot of fans would appreciate that and like it. And it might even be something that's easier to do than, say, like booking a whole tour of doing your first album or whatever. Absolutely. I know some bands have done it. Like Cheap Trick went out and did, but they went out and did like two records or three records. I forget what they did, but it's harder for a band like us to do that. You know, actually, before we let you go, I I, I just thought of something. I, I read recently when the record, when Punching the Sky came out, I don't remember where I, where I read it, so don't, don't ask me, but... <laughs> Somebody described you as described Armin Saint as criminally underrated yet legendary, and I'm glad I thought of it before we sign off here because I think that there is a little bit of truth in both of those. I mean, you are a legendary band. You've been around for 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 you know the better part of what three four decades now, and you know everybody respect everybody in in metal respects Armin Saint, but yet in some some ways maybe you guys are a little bit underrated. What do you make of that? I mean, does that make sense to you with that, with that comment that was made? Well, I certainly have heard that. Sure, I've heard that before. Um, I get asked that uh, frequently. You know, it's funny. I mean, I feel a lot of different ways about that. I feel humbled by that. Um, I also feel a little embarrassed by it. What I don't necessarily feel is like like somebody owes me anything, though. I don't feel like that. I don't. I think I speak for the band. We don't feel like we got shortchanged anything, or like you know, we don't feel like we failed anyway. You know what I mean? It's kind of crazy because we're now, I'm speaking to you now 40 years into our career. And if you would ask me that 40 years ago, I would say that you'll be 40 years from now, you'll be talking about a record that is going to touch a lot of people and they're going to say these things about you. I'd say you're high. There's no way that's going to happen. I'm not even going to live another 15 years anyway. I'll be 20. I'm not going to make it to 35, you know? So (laughs) here I am, like, you know, in my mid to late 50s and it's, it's overwhelming. People are saying, you know, what does it feel like to be doing this after 40 years? And I'm like, it's surreal, really. I mean, I feel like in the beginning, all we wanted to do was to have a career, 
you know, sure, we wanted to headline the arenas, you know, like Led Zeppelin and Black Sabbath and the bands we grew up listening to, you know, but it was always about the music, you know, so we, the fact that we're still able to make music and people find it uh, relevant to them and they're touched by it and, you know, just the love and support they've given us for 40 years still is like, it's insane. That's it right there, right? The fact that you have a 40-year legacy was really the answer. Yeah, and I feel honored and proud and grateful, all those things for that. You know, and I feel the same way. Like, I I would look at bands like a band like King's X, you know, and I would say the same thing about Mm. them. And Doug Pinnock must hear that all the time, too, you know. Great band. Yeah, they're amazing. And I'm cautious to tell him that, though, because... Because I don't want him to feel like he's underappreciated from me, you know. So I would never really say that to him. But I, I wanted to so bad. Like, you know, I wish you guys were bigger, you know. But it, it just, it would bum him out. You know? <laughs> yeah, I know. And I, and I, I certainly wasn't, it wasn't my intent to say that no, you no, guys. No, no, no. I know that. In fact, it was the opposite. It's that yeah. you, there aren't many bands that can, can say that, you know, we've been doing this since 1984. Yeah. When did you guys form? 84? Well, we formed in 82. Okay, yeah. First record came out in 84. But I totally I totally get exactly why you bring that up and, and uh, why you asked that. Because, you know, I mean, like I said, I feel the same way about a lot of my favorite bands, too, that I like, you know. It's just a natural thing to feel that way, you know. But like I said, I do mean that we're grateful and humbled and we feel honored that we're able to do this. And uh, we're stoked, you know, we're, we're totally stoked that we're able to do this. And we have the label Metal Blade that supports us and lets us work in this way. And we couldn't ask for anything better. It's amazing. I got to tell you, to wrap this up, you know, I, I started my career. To, well, I didn't, I didn't know I was starting a career, but I started my my path as a 13-year-old in 1984 as a dishwasher and uh, started prep cooking probably within two years. And uh, music has always been a big part of metal. And, and of course, uh, in particular, music's really been a big part of of my career because, you know, certainly during – like when you come in to eat, at that time of night, we don't listen to music. But during the day when we're getting everything ready, we listen to music. And uh, I vividly can remember – listening to March of the Saint and Delirious Nomad as a as a prep cook, just learning how to do the basic things. Um to, to now, you know, being at Beauty and Essex in LA listening to Punching in the Sky. It's just like you've been a you've been, you've been a part of my entire journey as well. So I want to thank you for that. On the flip side of that too is like, you know, when you're in a band and you're coming up and you know, we're you know, we were doing this for a while and then you start to meet people in other walks of life that you find you find out that they're metalheads, you know, like one day I was coming back from Europe or something and uh, I was going through customs and then this totally like, you know, customs guy, you know, he's short hair and glasses. And I'm like, oh, guy, I feel intimidated. Like I'm not doing anything wrong, but, you know, <laughs> you, f- you feel that way. And I go through and, and he looks at me and he goes, Joseph Vera, that wouldn't be Joey Vera, would it? And I'm like, <laughs> what the hell? So I started meeting people throughout my life that in different walks of life and and you and you realize like not only metalheads are into metal like there's a lot of people into metal. Mm-hmm. It was I was totally blown away and stoked when I found out you were a metalhead because <laughs> I was watching you before I met you and before I knew about you and stuff. And I was like, really? That's amazing. That's funny. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Good. I love I love I love the connection that our 
it's like a community that we have and uh it's it's something like no other as you know well you keep giving me a medal i'll keep giving you food how about that deal (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much joey all right so that was awesome thank you everyone out there for listening to delirious nomads sponsored by blacklight media we will be coming back at you next week with another awesome guest be sure to follow blacklight media on socials for new music and more and above all keep it heavy Bowie, Dylan, Marley. You've heard the names and maybe you've heard their songs, but what about the stories behind the records that made titans of music like these so universally loved and important? Join me, Josh Adam Myers, host of The 500, as each week I go through a different album from Rolling Stone Magazine's 500 Greatest Albums list from 2012 with an incredible lineup of comedians, actors, and musicians talking about how the music has impacted their lives. New episodes of The 500 come out every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, I am Johnny Christ from Avenge Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to actors, comedians, fighters, musicians, everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks with Johnny, streaming everywhere now.